This is Rio of Madison Rising, and you're listening to our acoustic version of the Star Spangled Banner here on KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stride in bright stars through the perilous fight oh the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming in the rockets red
You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome to God's Pure Word of Faith. I'm Richard Harden, and again, I want to thank the Lord and the management of KLRN Radio for this great opportunity to share God's Word with you today. Today I'm going to be sharing from the scriptures in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, which are called the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' first message or sermon to the public. Well, this is maybe going to be a different type of reading of the Beatitudes. You've heard them or uh, particular verses pulled out. They're used a lot in our society to you know, uh, try to sell things. They're used, you know, to try to um, bring a Christian or a religious viewpoint or something like that. Uh, when people want to, you know, uh, sell products and in, encourage certain campaigns or campaign slogans or things like this. But let me read to you these a uh, little different, and then we'll go back and take each one of them one at a time and. Uh, investigate him a little different. Jesus started out uh, after his temptation in the wilderness and everything. He said, uh, he started out preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, and he's talking to now people 
even though he has the Spirit of Christ in him, he is full of the Spirit himself. He's the only person that up until this time had been born, you know, with the Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ in him, and he's come in the fullness of the Christ. So he's not just making these statements here, uh, independent and everything throughout uh, the Beatitudes, but um, he starts out in chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, or you could say, Blessed are those who find themselves spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Or, blessed are those who have found themselves spiritually bankrupt. Then verse 4, and they're sad and mourn about their condition. Then verse 5, blessed are the meek. Or, blessed are those who find themselves spiritually bankrupt. They're sad and mourn about their condition. In meekness they realize they can do nothing for themselves. Verse 6, Blessed they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Or again, Blessed are those who find themselves spiritually bankrupt, sad and mourn about their condition. In meekness they realize they can do nothing for themselves, so they seek God's righteousness. And then verse 7 says then, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So those who find themselves spiritually bankrupt, they're mourning and sad about their condition. They hunger and thirst after God's righteousness. And then God in His mercy will forgive. The very next verse then seems to change. Verse 8 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be... Excuse me, verse, uh, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So after a person has found himself spiritually bankrupt, they're mourned, they're sad about their condition, in meekness realize they can do nothing for themselves, they hunger and thirst after God's righteousness. God in His mercy then will forgive, and then verse 8 says that blessed are the pure in heart. All of a sudden now they've changed from being the person that was spiritually bankrupt and sad about their condition everything. Now the a pure in heart. And in verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. So immediately after uh, the person receives a pure heart, he wants to share with others and help them make peace with God too. Now let's go back and take a look at each one of these. It's, it's just like the steps Jesus was showing them um, and, and drawing them and, and letting them know how to enter into this kingdom of heaven, into the uh, kingdom of God. Let's take a look at some of the scripture. Of course, remember Jesus now, uh, he's full of the Spirit, uh, and he's well aware of all his years of, you know, walking with the Lord prior to entering into his ministry at age 33. He, he knows the Old Testament scriptures, and it's amazing, but I've heard, and I've never met anyone who's done this, but I've heard that uh, so many of the young Jewish boys, uh, six, seven, eight, nine years old like that, they would have to memorize the whole new, t I mean, the whole Old Testament. I, I can't imagine, you know, somebody doing that, but uh, I've heard that that was their custom.
And so he's talking to people that know the scriptures uh, throughout the Old Testament and everything. But he's going to, you know, uh, try to get them to start understanding that there's fixing to be a new way. Now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. It said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Psalms 51.17, the scripture says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Psalms 34.18 The Lord is nigh, or the Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Psalms 25.9 The meek God will guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. He, you know, uh, if, if a person is, you know, uh, seeking him or something like that, it says that he will teach us and guide us with his own eyes. And Jesus says in John 6.45, And I shall all be taught of God. Everyone therefore that heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. So each of us have to personally have this uh, teaching from God, but the, the people he's speaking to here, they are aware of this and uh, know that, you know, uh, these verses that Jesus is kind of bringing out to them when he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Isaiah 57 15 says, For thus saith the high, lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. So he dwells in a high and holy place, but he says, With those that have the contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And then in Isaiah 66 2, For all those things hath my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. So, I can remember my life after, you know, growing up as a child, thinking I was a Christian, and then uh, uh, 15 or 20 years after getting out of high school and everything like that, thinking I was a Christian, um, I was empty, didn't really realize that in my heart and everything, but... Uh, I'd never been troubled during that time of, of wondering if I was a Christian or not. I'd always tell people, yep, I'm a Christian. Uh, I ain't perfect, but I'm a Christian, you know, like that. So uh, when my problems came in uh, 1974 and um, things started kind of falling apart in my life and everything, uh, I remember, you know, the <coughs> this empty feeling I had in me and this uh, consuming type feeling, you know, just uh, ever present, and even like a dark cloud over, you know, just everything that was going on. Um, it, it just seemed to be bad in all these different ways. Well, uh, thankfully, in being raised at that Baptist children's home I was in, and we went to church so often, I did know a lot of God's Word. I knew enough that. Uh, I, I believed in God, I, you know, I, as much as I could, without having Him in my heart, 
um, I knew things that happened in my life where it's probably God, you know, that did it and everything. Uh, I couldn't say it for sure, but I had got to the point where things were so bad that I even doubted there was a God. And, you know, uh, because I knew from what I uh, had read and heard in the scriptures that I certainly wasn't related to him in any way that, you know, it talks about in the scriptures. It's, you know, like uh, the men of God and everything, even the disciples, and, you know, John the Baptist or any of the other people of the Bible. I, I didn't have any type of personal relationship with the Lord. It was just like, kind of like a going through activities, doing things. But coming to that point, at least I had enough of God's Word in me to know that I, I better do something to get it straightened out one way or another. And that night when I turned to the Lord, my prayer, I said, Lord, you know, show me that you're really real like that. If you want to have a relationship with me, you know, I would like to have one with you like it's talked about in the scriptures. See, and I'm so thankful that I did have a lot of, you know, uh, God's word in me. Maybe I didn't have them memorized or something like this, but I had heard it over and over and over so long, you know, in repetition out there because we went to church every time the door was open, that when my problems really came, I at least had enough sense to give God another chance. And to, if he's really real, to show me and to help me and and turn my life to him. And I thought I was just rededicating my life to the Lord, but after I did it, I realized I'd never dedicated my life to the Lord. I had never prayed uh, and asked him to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart like that. I had just gone forward said, I love the Lord, and I want to get saved, and I want to get baptized, and I, I did all these things. But uh, it wasn't from my heart. Well, I know when I found myself in that condition and turned to seek the Lord, things really started changing my life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When a person finds himself in this condition, there's a lot of different directions they can go. They can go to alcohol and drugs to maybe try to hide it or escape it. Or they can, you know, just really dig into work and become, you know, a workaholic and just work and keep your mind off of it. Or they can get involved in some sports or activities that they can just be so consuming and everything that it takes their mind off of it to try to escape it or something and to try to fill that void. But like it says in Psalms, all of our hearts are created alike. There's a void in us that only God can fill through his spirit of his living word, Christ, in our heart. Because, see, God made us that way because we're not complete without him. He wants to be in us, not just like the Old Testament relationship. Like it says in Isaiah 59, 21, uh, God said his covenant with them was his spirit on them and his word in their mouth. Well, he wants to be in us, to complete us in our hearts. And we're all alike, all missing something until we invite him to come in. But some people don't give him a chance to come in because, like I said, we'll turn to alcohol, drugs, power, sex, and all these other different things you know, in our society and miss in receiving Christ in their heart. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But they got to have proper response to that when they recognize 
their condition. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, then the next verse says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. In Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, one of the first uh, times Jesus went to the synagogue after he was tempted out in the wilderness and everything, uh, he picked up the scriptures, and if you read in Luke um, chapter 4, where he does this, it says that as was the custom. So he had evidently been doing that for years, you know, like that. He's 33 years old. He had been going to the synagogue and, and reading the scriptures. But this morning, when he went to the uh, synagogue, he picked Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. It says, The Spirit of God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and this is now the, talking about captive like I was captive of sin and, the, and the, all the activity in my life, you know, the, the, the devil had brought me into it and everything like that. Okay, he's sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them that were bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. The day of vengeance of his God, it says here. And I think that means that, you know, Jesus is going to come and he's going to, you know, fight the devil. He's going to have that perfect walk of faith. He's going to, you know, in a sense, buy us back through his life to, to get the victory over the devil, the perfect walk of faith, and, and on the way to the cross and everything. Um, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. God sending Jesus back now to fight and obtain that victory for us, to comfort all that mourn. Now, when does this comfort and sorrow come and everything? Jesus says in John 16, 20, Verily, verily I say unto you, that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. You shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned to joy. He's going to turn that sorry, sorrow <laughs> in our life to joy. In Revelation 21, uh, 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. It's talking about there in the end times, but for the people of the Old Testament, they're fixing to receive a great change like that too. There's going to be a great change. The former things, the new covenant is going to be ushered in to where it's going to be Christ in us, our hope of glory. God, the Spirit of God living in us and to bring that comfort and, and peace to us in our hearts. So blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If if the person is encouraged to turn in the right direction during that time, because people turn so many ways um, else, and they miss receiving God in their heart or Christ in their heart then. And it says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted, because when he comes in, it is such a great comfort. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 now, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In meekness, a person realizes they can do nothing for themselves, and they make that choice then to seek God of all the other choices. And see, that's why we're supposed to be the light to the world, those of us that have received Christ in our heart, to, to be living the kind of life and sharing the testimonies that will encourage these people that 
aren't that knowledgeable of the scriptures, especially today, you know, like I've met so many young people that don't have Bibles, and um, and several of them have confessed to me they've never even set foot inside a church in their ages, you know, 18, 19, 20, in these ages, and they've never even gone to a church of any particular denomination or anything. So we need to be the light to them that there's a better way, that when, you know, they have that emptiness in their heart and they want it fulfilled, we should be willing to testify and share with them our personal experience of salvation, how God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into our hearts, you know, when we called out to Him, asked forgiveness, invited Him to come in. And then the great changes that took place after that, see, oh, how else will they learn, you know, because so many people today aren't going to the churches. In fact, you know, the Christianity today is getting such a, a, a bad image, something like this, in our society from, you know, the ridicule and the jokes and things that people hear on television. That, that's the most a lot of people know about Christianity is the jokes and the ridicule they hear on TV or radio or uh, things like this. And we need to be standing up as a light to the world and everything to let them see and know um, what they're missing and how how simple it is to receive Christ. But now, here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So when a person comes to this point of realizing they can do nothing for themselves, and they set themselves to seek the Lord, Psalms thirty-seven, eleven, But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And James 1, verse 21 says, Wherefore lay apart all this filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafting word which is able to save your soul. To receive with meekness, you know, just humble ourselves to God's word and receive his word then. The engrafting word that engrafts us into the family of God. Ezekiel thirty six twenty six, where God says, A new heart also will give you, a new spirit will I put within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh, give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you. See, he puts his spirit in us and grafts us into his family. Now we are children of God. We're not just a cleaned up creature like the people of the Old, Test, Old Testament. When God forgave them, uh, their sins were covered until the next sacrifices, and they came and repented and everything. But they still had the, the heart, like Jeremiah said, uh, an evil heart. You know, he said, uh, desperately wicked above all things. And they still had that kind of heart, even though they were forgiven of their sins until the next sacrifices and everything. They didn't receive the changed heart. God made a new way for us. He didn't want to just have his spirit on the people anymore. Well, he still, in his mercy, has his spirit on us, but he didn't want that to be the, you know, total relationship that he has with us. his spirit on us, his words to us. But now he wanted to live in us, to create in us a new heart, a pure heart. Like it prophesied, a new heart also will give you, a new spirit will up within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you. See, and when his spirit comes in us, it says in Romans 8 9, Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So when his spirit comes in us, the Spirit of Christ in our heart, we are then His children, joint heirs with Jesus. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Once you recognize that, now, but responding correctly is very important, responding. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know, they're sad about your condition. 
and it causes some type of response. And here in Matthew chapter 5 verse 5 it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So in 1 Peter 3, 4 it says, But let the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of a great price. You know, God wants us to humble before him. He and his word are the same. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was God. So when he speaks or identifies and, and comes to us in his love and shares with us and teaches us, he wants us in meekness then to humble ourselves and receive his word. Now it's time for a break. I'll be right back in a couple of minutes. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome back. We're going through the Beatitudes, as they are called. The scriptures in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 9, leading into the Sermon on the Mount. And we've covered the first three uh, in Matthew chapter 5, 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or blessed are those who find themselves spiritually bankrupt. And, and then in verse 4, it says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So once you find yourself spiritually bankrupt, you mourn, you're sad about your condition. And um, through Isaiah and different places, Jesus says, you know, that he's come to comfort all that mourn, to heal the brokenhearted, claim liberty to the captives, and everything. And then in verse uh, 5, 
Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Or in meekness. Now, meekness is not just, you know, seem like the picture of the meekness is a little guy with, you know, um, horn rim glasses and, and, you know, just sitting all day long in a book or something and just so weak and all this. That's not meekness in the scripture. Meekness is when we will humble ourselves before God and to his word and get our pride out of us and say, Lord, I just want you. I just want you with all my heart. I want what you have for me. Show me. God, but anyway, in meekness, the meek shall inherit the earth, shall delight themselves in abundance of peace. And through that meekness, in like it says in James chapter 1, verse 21, we receive the engrafting living word of God, the, the living word that engrafts us into his family, creates in us a new heart. And now our source is Jesus. He's the vine. We are the branches. And we're engrafted in. And he supplies our needs to us now through his spirit living in us. Now in uh, chapter 5 verse 6 it says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Uh, this is not now just somebody deciding that you know they're going to start living good and um, you know dressing up and start carrying a Bible and and going to church or, you know, being a good citizen and all this stuff, then cleaning themselves up. This is not the righteousness talked about here. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. It says in the scripture, Romans 4.13, For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The righteousness of faith. We receive that righteousness through faith, because faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So when we hear God's word, like I mentioned earlier, Jesus says in uh, John six forty five, they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. So see, if we humble ourselves to God's word as he's teaching us that we're a sinner, that Jesus is our answer, we must call out to him and repent from our sins, you know, turn from them, or want to turn from them and we want to turn to the Lord and call out to him then, then he will hear and answer us. But it's through the righteousness of faith, our acceptance and obedience to God's word. Because when we receive his word into our heart, see, we've, that's his pure word. If, if we're trying to receive something in our heart that's not his word, you know, it, it's going to be to no effect, just like everything else we've done in our life. It'll be in vain. If we have the scriptures interpreted wrong or we're basing our you know, uh, uh, acceptance of what we think is God's word, it's got to be God's pure word because that is all that he will back up to us. Proverbs 35 and 6, Every word of God is pure, a shield and put their trust in. Add thou not this word, though, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. And the way we get reproof from uh, maybe adding to his word is that God won't back it up. Because it's not his word then. If we've added to it, it's our word. If it's his word, it's Christ, the living word, the powerful word that created the universe. God spoke, said, let there be light. His powerful creating word of Christ went forth then, created light. And that same Christ that lived in those days, you know, in, in God's living word to people like Moses in them. Hebrews 11:26 says, Moses esteemed the riches of Christ greater than all the wealth of Egypt. So Moses esteemed 
God's spoken living word to him greater than all the wealth he could have received from maybe being the next Pharaoh or something in Egypt. But he esteemed the riches of Christ greater than all the wealth of Egypt. Now, and he turned to join back in with his people and everything and be a part of, you know, the Israelites and setting them free and everything. But anyway, uh, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hunger and thirst after righteousness? God has promised that he will hear and answer us. And it's through faith, our seeking him, and when we hear from him, accepting his words through faith. If we reject, it's called unbelief. We're rejecting to unbelief. And all through the scriptures, it never says that doubters are going to hell. Unbelievers, because see, God has promised to bring all of us to that belief. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 the scripture says that we're all without excuse because the, even even the creation manifests itself to us you know the, the, we'll know that there is a God and then Titus 2.11 says that the grace of God that bringeth salvation appeared to all men but the reason people die and go off into hell and the lake of fire and eternity is Second Thessalonians 2, 10, 11. It says that the devil has them so deceived that when God brings them this message of his salvation, this great message of, you know, uh, him wanting to come live in us and adopt us into his family, that people reject the spirit of it or the love of his word because God is love and he and his word are the same. So when he sends us his message through his love and everything, people reject the love of it. They know it in their head, but they don't receive it in their heart. In Hebrews 4, 2, it says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. See, God brought them to intellectual head knowledge, brought all of us that, but we have to respond incorrectly by receiving his words into our heart, and that's where the righteousness comes from, is righteousness is by our acceptance of God's pure word in our heart, our acceptance and obedience to it. We can't in ourselves just do good things. King Saul found that out. He was King Saul uh, when um, the prophet Samuel was late at a meeting where they're supposed to have sacrifices with the king. Then uh, he he was getting kind of nervous because people were upset. And, you know, they were in battle and stuff, and they needed to uh, do something in a timely manner. Well, he took it upon himself then to act like the priest and offer the sacrifices which was in the physical realm looking at it you know that was great he was you know going to help his people out and everything because the prophet hadn't shown up but that was disobedience he wasn't supposed to do that and then the prophet come Samuel came and said is God more pleased with sacrifices than he is with obedience he says no to obey is better than sacrifice but see King Saul had rejected and uh, and not waited like he was supposed to. Blessed they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Righteousness only comes from us accepting and obeying God's word. Our own good works, our own things. Well, in Matthew chapter 7, later on in uh, this uh, Sermon on the Mount, he says, Many are going to say to me in that day, Lord, have we not done these great and wonderful works? You know, we've prophesied in your name, we've cast out demons, and we've done just all great works, preached for 30, 40 years, and, 
and you know uh, taught Sunday school and you know worked with young people, done all these great works. He's going to say, "Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you." Because see, our good works—I don't care how good they might be—and you know there can be some good works from people that aren't Christians, and you know, and thinking that they are Christian because if a person quotes God's word, God will back it up. Well, they're Christian or not. He backed it up to a donkey one time to Balaam, a prophet. And so a person that hasn't received Christ in their heart, um, a friend of mine I mentioned over and over, he preached for several years. And one night when he was um, inviting people to come to the Lord and uh, surrender their heart and life to the Lord and invite him to come into their heart and things, a voice spoke to him, he said, and said, you've never done that. And he was so shocked. That's right, I haven't. See, he had been telling people to do it. He knew to do it, but he had never done it himself. And the Spirit of Christ will not enter a person's heart unless we invite him to come in. See, because if that were the case, he wants to come into everybody's heart. But that's not the way God has set it up. He wants those that desire him enough to not only seek him, but then to receive him into their hearts. He wants people with him in heaven to fellowship with him and throughout the eternity and everything that want to be there. He wants people that love him enough that they'll do and obey his word to faith. And that's where righteousness comes from. So once a person finds that, you know, that the spiritual blessed of the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven, spiritually bankrupt. And they're sad about their condition. And in their meekness, they turn to the Lord, humble themselves to God's word and his teaching like that, and said, Blessed are the they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. See, that's the promise. I think it's Hebrews 11, 6 says, Without faith it's impossible God, but he that cometh to God must not only believe that he is, but that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when a person sets himself here, hunger and thirst after righteousness, the promise is that he's certainly going to hear an answer. But it's got to be with all your heart. It's Jeremiah 29, 13. You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, in Romans 9, 30 also it says, What shall I say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, but have obtained righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. See, the Apostle Paul was saying the Gentiles now are receiving God's word and receiving God's word in their heart. And they're receiving the righteousness that goes along with that word because they're certainly in right standing with God if they're receiving his word, his living word, into their heart in obedience. Galatians 5.5 5 says, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. The righteousness by faith, right standing with God. And that's the only be right with him because there is no other way to please God. The scripture says that everything not of faith is sin. You can't do good works and bypass receiving God's spirit in your heart and be pleasing to God. We've got to be his children. And the only way to become his children is by receiving his words into our heart. Like Galatians 4, 6 says, And because your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son crying, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, you're no more a servant but a son, if a son, then heir of God through Christ. 
So that's when we become a joint heir with Jesus. Philippians 3, 9. And be found in him, God, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. Now see, the law tells us what kind of acts to do. You know, uh, uh, do good, you know, don't murder, don't steal, don't cheat, don't commit adultery, you know, and these outward things that people can actually see and hear and, and you know, uh, violate the law. But here it says, uh, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. See, the righteousness that is being talked about here is the righteousness that comes from us receiving his pure word into our heart and then accepting his word in obedience and doing what he's asked us to do to teach a class, to work with young people, or to go down and talk to the neighbor next door, or, you know, whatever it is God has asked us to do. Uh, maybe share a devotional next week. There's a first time for each of us to do any of those things that God wants us to do, to go visit hospitals, to visit prisons, to, you know, uh, carry food over their sick neighbors and things like this. There's a first time. And the first time can be kind of nervous because, you know, you said, who are they going to think I am? You know, just coming over here, you're going to do it. Well, you got to step up sometime and start being the ambassador. It says in Second Corinthians 5, 17, 18, 19, that we're ambassadors for Christ. To go share his word and everything and then our actions and stuff. But uh, it's got to be by accepting and obeying his word. The just shall live by faith, a daily walk of faith allowing him to guide us today uh, in the actions we do for the remainder of this day, like that, by faith and everything. But it's not by our righteousness where we start acting good and, and trying to be a good citizen and go to church and do all these things that, you know, uh, you're supposed to do. In fact, that was interesting because after 20-something years thinking I was a Christian, the night I prayed and Ask the Lord, Lord, if you're really real, like that Bible says, show me, and I want to know it's you. And I don't want six months from now somebody just tell me that, you know, I had some kind of emotional experience or something like this. And and I said, I'm not going to start I'm not going to start changing anything until I know it's you. I'm not going to stop drinking, I'm not going to start smoking, stop smoking or any of these things until I know it's you, and then I will. And and see, it was the right intent of my heart because I didn't want to just start doing good things and acting certain ways and then think that was it. I said, God, I want you. If you created me, there's got to be someone to communicate with me and I can know and respond and know that it's you. And praise the Lord, he did that. He honored it because he doesn't want us to go out acting good and thinking that's it. And that's what Paul's talking about here in Philippians 3, 9. And be found in him, in God not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, just doing good works and stuff, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, our acceptance and obedience to his word. And in Hebrews 11, 7, says about Noah, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world because and he became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. See, Noah 
by acceptance and obedience to God's word is that he became the heir of righteousness and he and his family were the only ones preserved during that time because of his acceptance and obedience to God's word to him which is very strange in those days and everything because it took him almost a hundred years to build that ark and he had to keep on and keep on and he didn't have any you might say followers you know that he, he had been winning to the Lord or anything like that but he kept serving the Lord all those years and obedient to God's word to him so blessed are the poor in spirit the people that find themselves spiritually bankrupt sad about their condition and in meekness realize they can do nothing for themselves they've already tried it they've tried everything they can think of in meekness they realize they can do nothing for themselves and in blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled hunger and thirsting after God's righteousness he's promised he'll hear and answer then in verse 7 it says blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy now they receive God's mercy and forgiveness recognize their spiritual bankrupt condition they're sad about their condition in meekness they realize they've tried everything or you know think they have and they humble themselves then to God and his word they set themselves then to seek the Lord hungering thirsting after righteousness God's righteousness his living word and then now it's talking about blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy in James chapter 2 verse 13 for he shall have judgment without mercy that has shown no mercy and mercy rejoices against judgment see God's love and his mercy toward us, you know, like that. When it comes down to it, you know, like that, he loves us so much and everything. If you look in Ephesians chapter 2, um, the first eight verses, it talks about at the beginning how we were all in a world of sin. We're all in such a world of sin, and it gets to the point then to where it was so bad. Let me read this to you. For you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. For in time past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which is the devil, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, which is still the devil, among whom also we all, it says all of us now, not just some of us, most of us, but it says all of us, had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, you know, lust of the flesh now being, you know, a, we want to have nice fancy clothes on we want to ride around nice fancy cars and have nice fancy houses and you know we want to be you know, um, tanned and everything so we look so you know sharp and stuff like this lust of the flesh you know to make ourselves so presentable and attractive and all these type things among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh which is you know great food you know and uh, drinks and you know just high living and eating and everything like that lust of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others he said we're all like that now listen to this but God who is rich in mercy even during those times like that when we were like that it says that God blesses lost people drawn to repentance in Romans chapter uh, 2 verse 4 um, He's blessing us even during those times that we're living like that to draw us to him in love because see, he doesn't come in and beat us up because we're doing like that. He wants 
us to want him and his love more than those things of the world. And you can see all through the Old Testament, he did that with his people. He was talking about the vineyard one time. He said, what could I have done to my vineyard even more than I did? But when I went to look at it, instead of, you know, he was expecting good grapes from his vineyard, you know, good people, good children in Israel and everything. He said, they were even worse than before. He said they were terrible, you know. Uh, they were spoiled. See, he's always, you know, wanted us to be drawn to him because of his love, not because he could, you know, beat us up and make us do it. And so that's what he's saying here in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, you know, and all those lusts of the flesh and everything I just read about, like, we were dead in the sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. He's enlivened us by his living word Christ in us. And it says, by grace are you saved. See, when Christ then, the living word, comes into us, that living word that we receive into us when we accept him into our heart creates a work in our heart that we call the work of grace. You know, mercy is God's love on and to people, like Isaiah uh, 59 21 where God says my covenant with them is my love on them and my word in their mouth well see the new covenant now is his love his work of his spirit in us which is referred to as grace it's a new testament word every time the word grace was interpreted into the old testament it shouldn't have been it should have been favor or mercy um, now says here, but God, after all this evil living we were involved with, but God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together. It quickened means to it, he's enlivened us together with Christ, by grace we saved, and raised us up together with Christ, and made us sit in heavenly places with Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, that is the riches of what he's done in our hearts and everything in his kingdom toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, then we get verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's by us accepting his living word of, of the message of the gospel. I read a while ago, you know, his living word was preached to them, didn't profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. When we hear his living word of the gospel, we receive then and humble ourselves in meekness to his living word. Say, Lord, please come into my heart and save me. And when his spirit comes in then, he, because of our faith in accepting God's word to us, those words are alive. And Jesus says in John what 6.63, my words are spirit and they are life. So we receive the life of the spirit of the words. We receive, you know, the, uh, the work of the spirit in us. And that's what we refer to as grace sin, the work of the spirit in our heart, creating us a new heart to new life. And that all comes then as a result of our humbling ourselves in meekness to God's word and turning to him. And God in his mercy then, verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. God in his mercy then forgives us and puts his spirit in our heart, creates in us a new heart to new life. And as it says here then in verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the kingdom of God is coming to them. And, you know, they will receive the clean, pure heart with Christ living in them. But see, the people Jesus was talking to that day, um, they didn't understand that. They were still Old Testament people and everything. And um, they only had God's 
word on them and well God's you know living word the spirit on them and his word to them in their mouth but listen to what Job says in Job 33 27 28 that God looked upon men and if any say I have sinned see they he recognizes you know that they are spiritually bankrupt they've sinned and perverted that which is right you know I've in my sin I've been a perversion to the, the things that were right and everything like this correct and from God and it prof me not see you you recognize then that uselessness of, of what's been going on in the past and that's what happened to me there in 1974 you know I just all these good works I tried to do and all these other things and just everywhere in life is just useless I'd always say if I didn't have any bad luck I wouldn't have any luck at all and, and that's just the way it felt like a dark cloud over me you know just everything I have sinned and perverted that which is right and profit me not verse 28 and he God will deliver his soul from going to the pit and his life shall see the light now see this is it he recognizes sin blessed are the poor in heaven I mean blessed are the poor in spirit for there's the kingdom of heaven they recognize you know that um, their spirits are bankrupt Blessed they that mourn. They're sad about their condition, like here in Job is talking about here. They're sad about it. You know, they've perverted that which is right, and they're sad because it hadn't profited them one bit. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Humble himself to God's word. And it says that God then will deliver their soul from going to the pit. And Ezekiel 36 26 for us, uh, the prophet, God speaking through the prophet, says the new way, though. See, the people of the Old Testament there in Job's day. They got forgiveness of her sin when they turned to the Lord like that, but they didn't receive the Spirit in their hearts to become children of God to get the cleansing and a new heart. And so it, it was like it wasn't finished for them. They had to keep going back over and over and over and getting forgiveness, but they still had the old, dirty, bad heart. The prophet, God speaking through Ezekiel, says in Ezekiel 26 27, A new heart will I give you, see? After he gives us forgiveness, he says, a new heart will I give you. He'll clean up that old dirty heart and everything. Well, then he gives us a new one. He says, a new heart also will give you. A new spirit will up up within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. He not only cleans us up and gives us a new heart and everything. He puts his spirit of love in us in. So all those evil things we had in our heart are gone. We have a perfect pure clean heart and he comes to live in that heart then inside us we are now children of God engrafted like James says James 1 17 says we're engrafted by the spirit into the body of Christ we're no longer just Christ or God's creation we are his children now he loved us even in that world of sin like I read a while ago in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 he loved us with such a love that Jesus came and died for us that. But now we receive the pure heart because Jesus comes to live in us. He lives in us in the spirit. And we're now children of God. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes again. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. 
Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Once lost and blind, but now I see. And praise the Lord. That's that amazing grace when the Spirit of Christ comes into your heart. That's what we call the work of grace when He creates in us a new heart, new life. We become a child of God. We're not just a creature of God's anymore. But praise the Lord, He loved us so much when that world of sin, our hearts were separated from Him. There's none of His Spirit in us. But now when we receive His Spirit in us and we're grafted in the family of God, that amazing grace that did it. And all the different things. And grace includes, you know, the, the forgiveness, the cleansing of, or the cleaning and creating in us a new heart, a new life, His Spirit in us. It just so great. Anyway, back to the Beatitudes here again. Starting in Matthew chapter 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, or blessed are those who find themselves spiritually bankrupt, and blessed are they that mourn or sad about their spiritual condition, and blessed are the meek, they in meekness realize that um, they've done all they can do, and it, it's not worth it, it's not profit to many, like it, um, in Job 33 where it says if any say I have sinned and perverted that which is right and it profit me not uh, blessed are the meek that realize they can do nothing for themselves and in verse 6 blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness and this is the righteousness not of just obeying the law and acting good and doing good but it's the righteousness of God through faith by accepting and obeying and receiving His living Word then into our heart. See, it becomes a, a righteousness of the heart, not a righteousness of just outward actions of the law. Uh, you know, the law says you're not supposed to kill someone. But see, your heart is out of fellowship with God a long time before you get to the point of being so mad or hating somebody that you'd want to kill them. And, and that's what Jesus did. He said he didn't, you know, come to do away with the law or anything. He, he came to fulfill it. 
But see, he, he wants to, you know, be working in our heart the instant we have that bad thought to someone. And we're supposed to, you know, submit every thought to the obedience of Christ so that, see, if, if we do that, we won't get past those first bad thoughts and would never even then imagine killing someone. See, so the law is, is, is talking about way out there. After we've had a lot of sin in our heart, we get to the point of where we want to kill somebody. Well, see, that's just an outward manifestation of what's been in our heart for a long time before. And, and that's what Jesus wants to deal with people about, you know, the internal working, you know, the, the sin in our hearts. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, which is by faith, by accepting and obeying God's word and heart. Forgive others, lest you give Satan advantage. You know, uh, pray for those that despitefully use you. You know, when, when these things happen, get your heart back right with God. See, Jesus wants to work in the heart of our lives. Be not conformed to the world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your heart. You know, his word in us so that he can help and guide us that we don't ever have enough hate in us to want to even hit somebody, let alone to kill them, see. It, it, it's not righteousness which is by just obeying the law. It's righteousness which we receive in Christ in our heart. Now, it says, Blessed the merciful. Well, blessed those who find themselves spiritually bankrupt. Blessed those that are mourn and sad about their condition. Blessed are the meek that humble themselves and realize that what they've been doing is, isn't fulfilling at all. It's, it's empty. And then blessed they which do hunger and thirst after God's righteousness, the righteousness of the Spirit of God, Christ, in our hearts. Blessed are they that, uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You see, if they, if they start obeying God's word um, in verse 6 and seeking His righteousness, He's going to teach each of us that we're a sinner, that Christ is the answer to everything. Then blessed are the merciful. He'll forgive our sins then. And put his spirit in us. And in verse 8 it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Now, so we've come from being just spiritually bankrupt now to actually receiving his spirit in our heart with a pure heart. In John chapter 3, verses 3 to 7, Jesus answered and said unto um, Nicodemus here, that had come to him and asked him a question about uh, the kingdom of God. And he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. Now, see, that's when we're born again. It's when he puts his spirit in our heart. We're born into the family of God. We were born by the flesh into, you know, the family of people here, or creatures, God's creatures here on earth. We're born by the, into the flesh. But we're born into the spirit through the spirit of Christ coming into our heart and in grafting us into God's family. The new spirit also will I give you, he promised. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. We were born as babies here on earth. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. See, now we are in the Spirit with Christ in our heart. Our eternal life starts when He comes in because He has promised He will never lose anyone that God brings to Him, that, you know, that uh, God teaches them that they're sinners and everything. In fact, Jesus said, They shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. And he said, I will in no wise cast any of them out. He said, I will not lose them. Nobody can pluck them out of my hand. 
once we become a child of God and receive the Spirit of Christ in our heart, that our eternity has already started. Our eternal life is when we receive Christ in our heart. Now, in verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. So after receiving that pure heart, and, and we've received that peace in our heart, we certainly want others to know about it. Uh, and John, uh, with joy, you'll start sharing, you know, the uh, great change that's happened in you and everything. In John chapter 14, verse 15 to 20, uh, If you love me, keep my commandments. This was Jesus speaking to them. He said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Now, the Spirit of truth is Jesus in his prayer to his Father before he went to the cross. So in John 17, 17, he says, Sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. So see here, the spirit of truth is the spirit of God's word, the living word Christ, like the same living word that spoke to Moses. Uh, in, well, it refers to it in Hebrews eleven twenty six. And Moses esteemed the riches of Christ. See, God spoke in living word to him, greater than all the wealth of Egypt. Now, Jesus saying here, he will send us a, Give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, or the Spirit of Christ, God's living word, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Now see, that's a new covenant, is not only just God's word to us, or with us, but in us. He shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. Now see, he's saying he's going to, I will come to you. So this comforter is not, uh, you might say, somebody else that he's sending. He's, he's coming back himself. He's the comforter. It's just a different name for him or, or what he's going to do for us. He's going to bring comfort to us. And to that dirty heart we've recognized and everything. When, when we invite him to come in, he's going to clean that up, put a new heart, put his spirit of love in us. And that's going to be a great comfort. It'll be a burden lifted. It was like a dark cloud over me. You know, uh, well, I'd say, you know, I'd, if I didn't have any bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. That's gone. That's gone. It's not luck anymore. Luck has to do with Lucifer back there. We're blessed. We're blessed by the Lord, and that has to do with our God. Anyway, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. You know, he's talking about he's fixing to be crucified and everything. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Now, you don't want to know when the comforter comes? There's all kind of teachings about um, when God sends his comforter and something like this, you know, and uh, speaking in tongues and all these different things like this. I don't have time to mention most of those. But right here, verse 20 tells you exactly when the comforter comes to me and you and anybody else. Back up at 18. It says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world seeth me no more, but ye shall see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day, he's talking about that day when the comforter is going to come, when he's going to come to at that day shall you know that I am in my Father, ye in me, and I in you. That's when you receive the greatest comfort you can ever receive in your life, is when you know all of a sudden now, things have changed in me. I am now a child of God. Christ lives in me. Praise the Lord, you know, for the rest of eternity now. 
the Spirit of Christ in me. I am now a child of it. See, there is no greater comfort than a lost person, a non-Christian. Somebody's been born in this world with no Spirit of God in them, no Spirit of love in them. The only thing in their heart, the things they've loved from their mothers and their dads and their children, I mean, their brothers and sisters and, and you know, their, their school kids and their school buddies and stuff like this and, and all these terrible movies and things like this on the Internet and stuff like this, that's what their heart's filled with and everything. And all of a sudden, they realize their heart's been changed. they got a new heart. And the Spirit of love, the Spirit of God has come to live in their heart and that is when the greatest comfort you'll ever receive comes to you. He says, In that day you shall know that I am in my Father. Ye are in me, and I am in you. Such a great day to have that uh, happen. And know it with confidence that eternity is taken care of. Now, I might not be a good child of God sometimes. <laughs> and just like my children weren't good sometimes. And I spanked them and stuff. The disobedient things. I may not be either, but I'm a child of God. And it says we stand before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ in First Corinthians chapter three, first few verses and everything. It says that we're going to answer for the good and bad. Yeah, all of our sins have been forgiven, and any of these acts of sin that we commit since then, if we've you know got it worked out. And I say acts of sin. That's the first time I mention this broadcast. But like I said, forgive others lest you give Satan advantage. Well, that's an act of sin if you're not forgiving because it, we know it's God's will for us to forgive. So that's an act of sin. We're being disobedient as children, not doing it. But we are going to get uh, the devil walking with us and give him advantage in our life. So we're going to suffer from that. Our family is going to suffer. Everybody we know is going to suffer if we hold unforgiveness to anybody. Jesus didn't on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them if they know not what they do. You know, that, that last thing on the cross he did like that, you know, that victory over the devil. All the devil had tried to do to get him to argue and fight back with his illegal arrest, with his illegal trial and everything and crucifying him. He could have had a lot of complaints, but he didn't. He left as his father and had that total walk of faith. Our lamb without blemish all the way to Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, if Jesus can do that, his spirit in us can forgive somebody for maybe telling a lie about you. Forgive somebody for just whatever it is. See, he can give us the love to forgive those people because it, the devil working through them and he wants them to be delivered too. Okay. But in that day you shall know that I am in the Father and ye in me and I in you. That day you receive Christ in your heart and you know intellectually in your total being that you've received the changed heart and that now if Oh, like it says in Romans 8 9, Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And you know now that you are one of his. That is the greatest comfort you can, you can ever receive. Hebrews twelve fourteen. Now, when it's talking about, you know, uh, blessed peacemakers, so often they talk about people you know, trying to settle fist fights or trying to settle wars and settle this. Now, it, it is addressed, but that's not what it's talking about here. It's trying to make peace in their hearts with God. But in Hebrews twelve fourteen, it does say, follow peace with all men, holiness, without which no man shall see God. So if you're trying to start this trouble and everything, that's certainly right opposite. And Jesus says in another place, not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So it's not his will for us to go out and try to piss fight or beat people up to get them to come to the Lord and everything. All those 
crusades in the dark ages and everything where they're trying to force people to, you know, become Christians or force people to do this. You know, that one verse could have shown them it's wrong. It's not by power nor by might, but by his spirit of love, his spirit loving us, drawing us to come to him. Now in Second Corinthians five, seventeen to twenty, therefore if any man be in Christ, or Christ be in us, he is a new creature. Old things passed away, you know, old heart and all this stuff clean passed away, a new heart. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus and has by Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. So he's given us that ministry now of helping others to be reconciled to him. To wit that God was in Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing our trespasses, their trespasses, unto them, and has committed unto us those words of reconciliation. See? Those words of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. He's given it to us to share his word. as a, And it goes on to say, the next one, let's see. Uh, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ or Jesus' stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now see, that's our ministry, reconciliation. Help others in getting their hearts reconciled to God. And doing that then, you know, by sharing them the pure word of God, you know, uh, we have so many denominations, uh, you know, two or three hundred, and each of them have possibly different plans of uh, salvation, that, what people have to do to be saved. Some say you got to be water baptized to be saved. Some say you got to, you know, be a member of their church to be saved. And, and all these different things like this. Uh, and, and in the name of Jesus, all these different things are happening. So you got to seek to make sure that between you and the Lord that you receive His Spirit in your heart. Now, how can you do that? Just pray and seek until somehow or another God reveals to you personally that you have received his spirit in your heart because there's so many different things like this but he says now we're be sharing his word as ambassadors as teachers now a person can get saved like it says in second corinthians 3 16 when the heart of man turns to the lord the veil of separation as a veil of separation of man's heart to god is removed so a person can just say oh god help or like my wife did, she was in a treatment center. She just cried out, God, I want you more than anything. I want you above all else. You know, just crying out with all her heart. See, that's what God hears, heart language. And I've heard other people say the same thing. You know, you don't have to know all these theories and all these things. All you have to do is just like get away from you want, away from your sin. You want away from all that turmoil, all that, that stuff in your heart and everything. And you want God with all your heart. And like in Jeremiah 29 13, we all have to come that way. And thankfully, when I got to that point, I knew enough intellectually of scriptures in my head that I knew I should give God a chance, and I did. And thankfully, that with all my heart, God heard and answered me. In Jeremiah 29 13, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, so we're supposed to be ambassadors. So now, as an ambassador, we should be sharing with people and explaining to them what faith is, faith, acceptance, and obedience to God's word, receiving his living word, then that he speaks to us into our hearts. And then grace is a result of uh, those living words coming into our heart and performing a work in us. 
So grace is always the automatic response of us receiving God's word by faith into our heart. Because when they come into our heart, Jesus says, my words are spirit and life. They, they work in us then to create in us whatever it is God wants to do. Maybe he wants us to, uh, somebody to quit drinking. He'll give you strength to help you do it. Don't wait till you quit to turn to him. Invite him to come into your heart and he'll help you change it. He'll give you the strength to, or to quit smoking. He'll give you the strength to, if you want to do it, you know, for him or something like that, and receive his word into your heart for that. So see, it's just, grace is always the automatic response of us accepting God's living word into our heart. And then the living word then performs in our heart the work of grace for whatever it is God's speaking to us. Our testimony is so important. Jesus said in John, excuse me, Matthew 28, 18, through 20 and Jesus came and spake to them saying all power is given to me in heaven and earth go ye therefore see he wants us to go as his ambassadors and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the world see he's with us because he's in us he's in us he's going to be right there if we're speaking to people in their intellectual being their head he's speaking to their heart as we speak to their head because see we're speaking his living word Christ to them if we're being his truthful ambassador sharing his pure word then it's Christ coming out of our mouth the living word coming out of our mouth to them and he's speaking to their heart now again Matthew chapter 5 verses uh, 3 through 9 blessed the poor in spirit Blessed are those who find themselves spiritually bankrupt. And then, blessed are they that mourn for their spiritual bankrupt condition. They're sad about it. And then, blessed are the meek. In meekness, they realize they can do nothing. They've tried different things and it's all failed. They've perverted that which is right. Verse 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. The righteousness that comes from accepting and obedience to God's word not just by trying to start living good or something like that according to the law but by receiving God's living word into your heart then verse 7 blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy so after we've turned from that sin poor spiritual condition we've we're sad about it we realize we can do nothing for ourselves anymore we then turn and hunger and thirst after God's righteousness through faith then God in his mercy verse 7 said blessed the merciful they shall obtain mercy and uh, Psalms 18:25, with the merciful thou shalt show thyself mercy merciful so he will forgive our sins now see Jesus was talking here to people in the Old Testament didn't realize what this next statement was going to mean because they were still under the Old Testament law there until the day of Pentecost and only Jesus had the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ in his heart. But then the next one, verse 8, says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So here he starts telling them about now, not only are they going to get forgiveness, but now they're going to get to receive the Spirit of Christ in their heart too and become a child of God. So verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, so that couldn't have been talking to to him as an Old Testament type person he's telling them about the kingdom of God that's coming, the kingdom of heaven that's coming to them 
And this is the way it's going to be. They're going to receive a pure heart now when they do that. Not just like the Old Testament people just get forgiveness and have to keep going back for sacrifice. And in verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. And once you receive that joy of knowing that Christ lives in your heart, and now you've become a child of God, you're going to be wanting to shout and tell people. You're going to be wanting to tell people what happened in my heart. I called out to the Lord and asked His forgiveness, invited Him to come in my heart. He came into my heart and created in me. And, and see, and it's going to irritate a lot of them. It's going to irritate a lot of them because they won't understand what you're talking about. They've just been going through the acts of religion and church. But now look in verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, once you get that joy in your heart and you start telling all your friends and neighbors, some of your friends aren't going to like you anymore. And they're going to think you're weird. You, you, know, you, you flipped out, something like this. That's why you got to know it's Christ in you to have that strength and that confidence and that joy of sharing with them. Hey, you can receive Christ too and share. But it's going to cause persecutions. Matthew 5.10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. John 15.8, Jesus says, If the world hate you, you know it hated me before it hated you. Now, but we want to share with others. Proverbs 11.30 says, um, The fruit of the righteous tree life. He that winneth souls is wise. Now, we don't win souls in the way it's kind of worded there, but the Lord can use us as a testimony to draw people to him so that he can come into their hearts and create a new heart and new life. But as you start sharing the joy of your new heart, the peace in God, that the, you know, the, the devil will bring all kind of persecutions to you um, to try to cool your testimony down, to cool your heels because you're doing him harm. He hates Jesus. He hates everything of God. And he doesn't want you going out sharing his happy, joyful, changed heart. Family members even get irritated with you. Friends, new people. Some will start rejecting you. I was talking to a friend of mine about three months after Christ has come into my heart. And I was talking to him. I said, boy, things really have changed lately. And he turned his head and looked at me and said, no, that ain't changed a bit. You have. And uh, all of a sudden it shocked me. You know, that's right. It was me that made the change. I was just seeing things now from a different viewpoint, seeing things as God would show them to me how sinful things were and everything. I'll be right back in a couple of minutes with you. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. 
He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Back. Now one more time, let's go through just briefly then what is normally referred to as the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Or blessed are those who find themselves spiritually bankrupt. Verse 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Or those who find themselves spiritually bankrupt or sad about their condition. Verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Or once you find yourself spiritually bankrupt, sad about your condition, in meekness, realize there's no word to turn now that you Turn to the Lord in meekness and His Word. Verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, righteousness which is by faith, acceptance, and obedience to God's Word. So sad about the spiritual condition, mourning it, in meekness you realize there's nothing left for you to do. Turn to the Lord. You turn to the Lord then, His Word. You humble yourself to His Word and hunger and thirst after it. It says in verse 7, Men, blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. God in His mercy, when you turn to Him, hungering and thirsting after His righteousness, His word, He certainly will hear and answer in His mercy. Forgive your sins that you're wanting to turn from, that spiritual bankrupt condition. You're wanting to get out of that condition. You're asking Him and turning to Him. Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. And when He was telling them, uh, the people before Him, the way the kingdom of God was going to be once they got their forgiveness verse 8 he says blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God see they weren't at that time sitting there listening to him able to receive the pure heart because they were still under the Old Testament covenant of where all they got was just forgiveness in verse 7 blessed are the merciful they shall obtain mercy God would you know forgive their sins and then they would go away and come back and offer sacrifices again but he's teaching and telling them about what's coming, what he's bringing to them, the the new relationship between mankind and God. So he goes on then, after the blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Then verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Because once he forgives their sins, like it says in 1 John 1, 9, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And that's what the Old Testament people experience. But now for the new covenant and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, 
So now in verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, have been cleansed from all unrighteousness. That's the new covenant looking to come about that John the Baptist had been telling that, you know, Jesus is coming after me and everything, the Messiah and everything. And he's going to implement this new relationship, new covenant between God and man. So we get forgiveness and we get the cleansing from the sin. And it says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Verse 9. For they shall be called children of God, peacemakers. God has made peace in our heart. He's put his spirit in us. We've received the pure heart. And with joy, then, we want to go and share with others. Everybody ought to know. Uh, and everybody ought to receive him as their Lord and Savior into their hearts and everything. Now, but as soon as you start doing that, it's going to irritate some people. It's going to irritate people because they're not, well, the devil's not going to want you going out sharing that joy with everybody and, and getting everybody, you know, to receive Christ. He's going to do everything he can to hinder you, like the thorns in the flesh that Apostle Paul had. Um, and in Matthew chapter 10, it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So, as, for there's the kingdom of heaven. So, immediately when you start sharing the joy, of the transformation that's taken place in your heart, the new heart, the new life, the joy of Christ in us, our hope of glory, that peace, that just that terrible, it says, you know, the first verse was, blessed are the poor in spirit, and they were sad about the condition. Whatever it was that you were, you know, torn up by in your heart and sad about it and everything, that's been removed. It's been cleansed. It's been forgiven. It's been taken out. You've got a new, pure heart with Christ in your heart, the spirit of love. So it's like going from night to day, and that's what it is, from darkness to light, from hate in your heart and lust and everything to love in your heart. See, and that great change is going to be lifting such a burden and everything from you. And that's when Jesus said that the comforter comes. The comforter comes to us. He said, when, you know, we know then that Christ lives in us, um, uh, John 14, verse 20 there. And that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. See, and that's when that joy and that comfort in your heart, that peace in your heart that you want others to share. But immediately when you start sharing it, then there's going to be persecutions. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then verse 11, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. See, because you're sharing with them about Jesus, and the devil is going to do everything he can to shut you down. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now see, our testimony is so important. Revelation 12, 11, it says, And they overcame him, speaking of the devil, by the blood of the Lamb. Now see, Jesus has already done that. Shed his blood on the cross for us, died for us, and come back to live in our hearts. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. See, our testimony is very, very important because he wants us to you know, lift him up in the world, to share with others what he will do for them or what he wants to do for them too, to get that word out of what a great change he made in our heart. Uh, and I've shared this many times. Each of you need to think back on your salvation what was it like before? What happened when Christ came into your heart? And uh, what changes did he make in your heart after he gave you the pure heart and a clean heart and like this? And if, and if you can't come share a testimony of, of a time when you remembered, see, you've got to remember because, see, blessed are the poor in heart. 
you've got to find yourself in that world of sin and that you know hurting heart just crying out to God and then when he hears an answer and puts love in your heart creates a new heart a pure heart you'll know what happened think back on what you consider to be your salvation did you receive the changed heart did you receive that joy of getting away from all those sins and all that stuff and lust and everything to receiving his spirit of love in your heart if if you can't know for sure it is too serious to allow any doubt to exist about it and you don't have to go back and analyze everything and just figure it all out just turn to the Lord right now and say Lord I want to get it settled <coughs> I want to get it settled to where I can know for sure see in meekness humble yourself to the Lord and say I may not have done what was right uh, I was a young person I was a child or something like this but don't go off into eternity with any possible doubt about your salvation. I don't care if you've preached 25, 30, 40 years. You may have been a deacon for 25 or 40 years or a song leader or, or you know, just, just a good, supposedly good Christian person. If you cannot remember at least receiving the changed heart, changed life, start praying and seeking until somehow another God confirms it to you. And then... You'll have that joy you want everybody to know. <coughs> As we go on then, after he teaches them about the, uh, you might say, plan of salvation. To me, that's what the Beatitudes are, the plan of salvation of what's coming in the kingdom of God. Then he says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? See, that's supposed to be us. Salt brings flavor and you know, it preserves things. Now, I guess, you know, we're supposed to be like that, bringing flavor to life and preserving things and, you know, sharing, you know. And, uh, he said, It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden on the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. God wants to work his light, his love, his words through us to others to shine. And, you know, there's one special thing about a light. You can, you can light a little match in a football stadium or something on a dark night, and, and that light will shine forth. Light can overcome darkness, but darkness will never overcome light. And we're the light of the world. So share your testimony of what Christ has done for you and change your heart. And then the, Jesus says something here. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, how does he fulfill that? I mentioned a little bit about that earlier. You know, from the rest of the, the Sermon on the Mount, it talks about uh, heart problems. Like, like it says, you know, um, you have heard it was said of them old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. See, he's saying don't kill. Now, see, that's, that's a law. So that law is broken when somebody kills it. But Jesus said, no, wait a minute now. I say to be angry in your heart to that person is a sin. See, Jesus brings it back from just being an outward act of killing somebody to those first thoughts in you, those first bad thoughts about those people. He don't want you to, you know, leave those in your heart. Like in... Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5 says, For we walk in the 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations, the imaginations in our minds, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, if you start to have a bad thought about someone, and you then submit that thought to the Lord, get that thought out of you, see, you'll never be able to ever get to the point of hating a person so much that you'd want to kill them. You won't even get to the point of hating them, you know, if every time you have a bad thought, you pray for that person. See, take control of your mind. In, uh, in fact, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, now you're raised out of the, the world, you're raised with Christ, you have the new heart, new life, Christ in you. If ye then be raised with, risen with Christ, seek those things. See, seek, make an effort, like you've lost your car keys or something like that. You seek them. You put everything aside until you can find them. See, Seeking has this thing of actively, you know, doing something in that particular direction or something. If you then be risen of Christ, seek those things above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now, set your affections. Now, see, there's a choice you make. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. So, two choices are already in those verses. You must seek, and it's evil not to, Second. Um, Second Chronicles 12:14 says, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. So this is a lot of evil right here talked about in Christianity today. People failing to seek God. They just, you know, go to church, scare the Bibles and like this, and just take whatever, you know, a preacher says 30 minutes a week, and that's about it. But seeking the Lord is different than that. Seeking your Lord, seeking the Lord is, is for his personal um, guidance throughout the day and for our lives daily. The just shall live by faith. Now, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above. Where Christ setteth on the right hand of God, set your affections. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So we're dead to the old life. That is, we're dead to the old way. Christ in us, we have eternal life now. When we die physically, as we're thinking about it, it's going to happen to us, you know. We'll, our spirit will just leave this body and just continue right on with the Lord. There won't be any separation during that time of our heart from God. When Jesus was on the cross, now see, he took that separation for us. When he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was right after the spirit of Christ had left his heart. See, the whole time, ever since the inception of uh, conception, I mean, of, of Mary, you know, like that, from the Spirit, the spoken living word of the angel to Mary, she conceived, and, and Jesus was born with the Spirit of God in him all the way through his life until right there at the end on the cross, he became our scapegoat. See, he was our perfect sacrifice, a perfect walk of faith, and he shed his blood seven times for us on the cross to fulfill the sprinkling of the blood. Um, Two times to his two hands, two feet, uh, plucking his beard, the thorns, uh, crown of thorns on his head, and the stripes on his back. Seven ways he was bleeding his life's blood 
before the mercy of God, because God could have stopped them from doing any of those things to him, but in his mercy he allowed it to happen. So um, it says that in First Peter, about the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus to fulfill those uh, sacrificial requirements back there, the sprinkling, they had to take the um, animal sacrificed and sprinkle his blood for the altar of God. Well, Jesus sprinkled his blood for us. He gave his life for us, a perfect walk of faith. And then, as he was dying on the cross, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, left him. And he said, My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? That's when he took a total separation, which is sin, totally separated from his Father. Never had been like that before. He cried out in agony. But he was our scapegoat in taking the sin, the separation of our heart from God forever away. Now, when we receive Christ in our heart now, when we leave this physical life, we just drop our bodies off and just continue right on in the spirit with the Lord, Paul says. To be with Christ is gain. And, you know, it just so we don't ever have to experience that separation again. He's, he's taking that scapegoat part for us. But he says here, casting down imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to obedience of Christ. See, he, he moves the barrier back to a greater standard than even the law did. Because, see, the law didn't say anything about you having, you know, hate in your heart or having hate for somebody. It just says, don't kill them. Or, you know, don't steal. The law says, you know, you're not supposed to envy people and everything like that, but they can't measure you and say, hey, you know, we're going to hang you for envying somebody or something like that. You know, it, it wasn't something you could kind of measure. You know, envy, jealousy, greed, um, adultery, all these things like this. Robbery and everything. It just, these were outward things that people could see, and the law then would tell you, hey, that person needs punishment. This person needs punishment for this and this. No, Jesus is saying our hearts are what's concerned to him. He wants, you know, our hearts to be right. If we fail to forgive, see, we're blocking God's love in our heart for someone. So he wants us to forgive, lest we give Satan advantage, because we're blocking God's love in our heart for someone. Uh, we're out of fellowship with God then because he loves that person. He wants us to allow him to love that person in us and through us to that person. See? Be angry, sin not. Let not the sun go down in wrath. Neither give place to the devil. So we still as his children, even though our hearts will never be separated uh, throughout eternity from God again, we commit acts of sin and failing to forgive, holding anger in our heart. Like it, uh, I just quoted Galatians 4, 26, 27, where it says, Be angry, sin not, let not the sun go down your wrath, neither give place to the devil. See, we're out of fellowship with the Lord if we're holding anger and things like that in our heart, and we're giving devil advantage in our lives. That's why so many Christians are sick across our country, is failing to forgive people, holding anger. And even taking the Lord's Supper, it says that many have you know, gone to sleep, many have died, many are sick, it says, because we take the Lord's Supper when in our you know hearts and our fellowship, we're out of fellowship with God and everything, we've got to be concerned about our heart relationship with God. Because it says there that many people die because of that. So we've got Christians in hospitals all of our, across our country if they would just submit their hearts again to the Lord's you know, uh, uh, supervision, you might say. What is that in Second Corinthians? 317 says uh, the Lord's the spirit where the spirit of the Lord is Lord there's liberty but if you aren't allowing him to be Lord in your heart 
if if you aren't allowing him to be directing and 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 guiding you in what you do and everything like that, if you if you're in control in most or trying to be in control of most of your life and everything like that, and violating, you know these. Um, well, I hate to say laws, but you know, uh, it's not a law in our heart. But if you're violating, you know, and blocking God's love from your heart to someone He wants you to go witness to, or things like that, we got to keep our hearts right. First Peter three seven, husband, dwell your wives according to knowledge, being joint heirs of grace of life, as in the weaker vessel, lest your prayers be hindered. See, the only thing that's blocking our prayers is I won't say sins, but our acts of sin. Our acts of sin, evil things that we're doing, and failing to seek the Lord for His special holy, holy calling in our life, like Second Timothy one nine says, He saved us and called us to holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, created in Christ Jesus before the world began. See, so He wants us to seek that holy calling. He has something so special for you. He has so special for me. And and you know, if if we don't care enough for Him don't care enough for our families and like that to set ourselves and take the time to start reading and praying and seeking for that. See, that's evil. That's evil. And, and you wouldn't want a child like that to just completely ignored you and just ignored everything you said to them and, and just went about life like that. <coughs> that's a sad relationship when parents have children that are that rebellious and everything. See, it is for us too. And we're going to answer for it. Judgment seat of Christ says we will answer for the good and the bad. And the only bad that's going to be there are our unforgiven acts of sin. Or I won't say sin because our heart will never be separated. And that's what sin is. Separation of the heart from God. And uh, if I had those scriptures here real quick, I would, I would show you what it says there in First John about this sin. But I can't find them now. Yes, I did. To to show you what I said, First John three six says, "Whosoever abideth in Him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth has not seen Him, neither known Him." Now, that sounds pretty strong. But look in First John three nine, "Whosoever is born to God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin." Because he is born of God. So see, a Christian cannot sin. But we can commit the same acts of sin, failing to seek God, unforgiveness, even go out and murder somebody. You know, just we could commit the same acts of sin. And those are the things that we have to, you know, uh, well, they certainly break our fellowship with God and our daily walk with him and everything. So we have to keep our hearts right with him like husband, dwell your wives according to knowledge, lest your prayers be hindered. And just so many instructions like that. Forgive others, lest your heavenly Father won't forgive you. See, even with Christ in our heart, we can fail to forgive somebody, give Satan advantage in our life. And we've got to keep our heart right with God daily to walk by faith. And that's what it means. The just shall live by faith. By accepting and obeying and receiving God's Word. <coughs> so, we need to be doing more than just carrying a Bible and going to church and um, obeying the law. That is, failing to, you know, we don't kill somebody, but holding hate in our heart, Jesus says, is bad. We need to get that heart out, have forgiveness for that person. And so, as you can see, the rest of them, after we go through the Beatitudes, and um, Jesus saying, you know, bless the poor in spirit, find yourself poor in spirit, sad about it, but then in your meekness in, you seek the Lord, 
turn to him and you hunger and thirst after his righteousness, which is by faith, acceptance, and obedience to his word. And after you do that, God is in his mercy then will uh, forgive us. And when he forgives us, it's more than what the Old Testament received. Once he forgives us, now we receive the pure heart. He comes in to live in our heart, creating us a new heart, a new life. And then blessed are the peacemakers. We start going out and sharing that joy that we've just received from the Lord, sharing that joy with others. And immediately then, you're going to start getting persecuted for what you're saying. Other people that claim to be Christians are going to get upset with you because they'll say, well, he's just you know, acting real spiritual. He thinks he's so holy or thinks he's so great or something like that. You know, They'll start saying things about you because most people in churches have not received the changed heart. Most people are just going to church, obeying the laws of this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to dress like this. You're supposed to go to church every Sunday. You're supposed to do this. See, they're doing things just because that's what they think people expect them to do. And Jesus is going to say that, well, listen, let me read it to you here in Matthew chapter 7 since I have it right here. Uh, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works? Now, that would be a good list right there to test yourself to. Have you even done these things here? Have I done those things? See? But these people are going to be telling Jesus, hey, we did all these things for you. Because they quoted his word, and he backed up his word to them. But it didn't mean that his word was in their heart. You know, a preacher without Christ in their heart can stand in the pulpit and preach God's word uh, and, and quote the scriptures and things like that. Those scriptures, God's word will go forth and people in the listening in the, in the congregation, some will get saved. Some will get blessed because he's speaking God's word. Even though it's not from his heart, it's just from his head, a study that he did. And he you know, wrote up a good three-point message and everything with a joke and a, you know, a prayer and and they responded to it. But not to him, see. It doesn't mean that he's a Christian. And that's the way these people here are. And it's going to be so sad. Somebody serving God all their life that they know of. And then wind up Jesus saying to me, uh, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know, so they're working iniquity. They're doing works from an empty heart, no spirit in their heart. They're doing it just from their head. They're doing it just from what they can figure out from a textbook or something, which would be the Bible in this case, a textbook or something, a good, uplifting message. And that's not the way the Lord wants us. He wants us with His spirit in our heart. We're going to receive persecutions, but it's it's a heart message that the Beatitudes and a sermon on the mound give. And I've heard people say there's no mercy, no grace, no charity in that. It's just filled with it. God in His mercy loves us so much He forgives. And we receive the pure heart, the work of grace in our heart. Then He wants us to go testify, sharing His love in our heart and through us is um, charity. So mercy, grace, and charity all through the Beatitudes and the... Uh, And, you know, Jesus tells us in John 6, 45, that we shall all be taught of God. 
we shall all be taught of God. That means that we've got to learn to communicate back and forth with him in some way or another. And as he makes his presence known to us and we seek him, he teaches us at first, you know, that we're a sinner, that we're a sinner and that we must accept that we're a sinner or, you know, like in our society today, so many people don't recognize sin that, you know, it would be hard for them to admit that they're a sinner. But we've got to admit we're a sinner to need a Savior. Okay, and then God's going to teach us that as a sinner then, He's provided a way for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, this is a, His free gift to us is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, we've got to accept that we need to turn to Jesus for, you know, help with our sins. And uh, that's going to be a problem, too, with a lot of people in our society, turning to Jesus, because there's so many people today, it's almost like painting themselves in a corner. They've been saying so many evil things about God and evil things about Jesus and, and stuff like this, that it's going to be hard. I say hard. It's hard for all of us to, I guess. But, you know, they, they've said so many things against to, to, to get out of their ego and actually turn to Jesus. But when God teaches we're a sinner, that Jesus is the answer for our sin, we must agree and accept Jesus as being our answer. But just knowing that Jesus is our answer is not the end result. When he teaches us that we're sinner, Jesus is our answer, we got to humble ourselves and call out to him and ask forgiveness. Like in uh, what is it, Job 33, 27 or, you know, like it, where if a man would, you know, turn and call out to him and, and confess that he's, you know, he's, he's a sinner, that he, will, he wants rid of his sin, he wants to repent and turn from everything, then uh, God in his mercy will hear and his soul will be saved um, and he'll see the light. Well, that's the way it is with us too. But we've got to make an effort. We, there is something we must do for grace. That's we must humble ourselves and turn to the Lord and call out to Him for salvation. Just knowing that we're a sinner, knowing that we need Christ, is not the answer. In Hebrews 4.2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And hearing it in your head is not the final answer. Knowing the truth is not the final answer. In Second Thessalonians 2, 10, 11, the Apostle Paul says people that reject and go to hell are those that know the truth, but when God brings them the truth, they reject the love of it. So we've got to receive him into our heart. And that comes from just a simple prayer of Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my heart and save me. Come into my heart and save me, and I commit and give my life to you. Keep praying and seeking God until you know for sure that you've received the Spirit of Christ into your heart. John three sixteen seventeen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, Jesus, should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now my revision is this for John three sixteen. For God so loved the people of the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that Jesus should endure the loneliness, the suffering of the perfect walk of faith, 
and the painful sufferings of his seven sprinklings of his blood on the cross by the crown of thorns, the plucking of his beard, the nails in his two feet, the nails in his two hands, and the terrible stripes on his back, that Jesus would go through all this suffering. God allowed these sufferings in his mercy so that all of God's already pre-elected and predestined people prior to birth to die and go to heaven, that they would actually die and go to heaven. That sounds so ridiculous. If only predestined or elected people prior to their birth go to heaven, then there would have been no need for the work and suffering of Jesus. No one's destiny would or will ever be changed by Jesus' suffering and death on the cross for our sins and salvation, because everything required for our salvation would have already been done prior to our birth by God's act of electing and predestining us to heaven or hell before birth. After God has predestined us to heaven or hell, there would be no need or no more to be done in heaven and earth. It would already be finished before our birth. So what's happening here is the devil hates Jesus so much that he's come up with this Calvinist, devilish, deceived theology that would have us think that we're predestined or elected prior to birth to go to heaven or hell, and that would make all the suffering and work of Jesus as our Savior totally unnecessary, totally worthless, and Jesus totally useless. For his life and death on the cross would not change anything prior to, you know, people dying and going to heaven or hell. Because it's already been done by God predestining and electing them to heaven or hell before we were born. See how ridiculous that is? And you know, as Christians, we have a new heart from God and the Spirit of Christ, God's power in us. God is love, and His Spirit is in our hearts. In John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love, God, casts out fear, because fear is torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love, or God yet. So in James 4, 7, the scripture says, Submit therefore to God, or His Spirit in you, Resist the devil, fear, and he, the devil in fear, will flee from you. When you start getting apprehensive about something, like starting to fly or a storm coming, looking ahead at what might happen to you in your job, your health, don't just worry and think about these future events, or maybe something that you're even going through right now. Philippians 4, 6 says, When you start getting anxious, turn to God then, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Your request and your concern to be known to God. Worrying won't help you one bit, but it will cause you to miss God's blessings to you during that time. So, choose, make the choice yourself to set yourself in submission to God in prayer, talking to God, and counting your blessings from past things, experiences with God. Then watch the devil and fear flee from you. Now, always let your anxiety be a red flag to remind you to pray. God loves you. 
He will hear you. And in First Colossians one twenty seven, Christ in us, our hope of glory. So have a good day. God bless you. And be set free. Good day. God bless you. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network.